Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 60 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. I have a conversation with a friend of the book, blog, and podcast, Joey Utah. We talk about one of the selections from my latest book, Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy, specifically talking about the black dog of veteran emotion. Joey and I have a conversation about focusing on mental health after the military and the need to take care of what's going on inside our heads to live the life that we want. We're ready for the chaotic stuff, but not for the, the, the easy stuff, so to speak. You know, the stuff where you don't have, there isn't as much of a physical threat. It's, it's all inside of our heads, this, this fear of, is somebody judging me? Is there going to be a stigma? Is my wife going to think I'm weaker? Is my family going to think I'm not good enough? And it's like, I think coming from the military where, you know, reality is kind of thrown at you in your face, like, you know, it, it touches on all five senses. And then you get into anybody who has mental health issues. It's like you can't grasp what's going on. It's all in your head. And until you do have somebody who kind of comes and tells you, like, you know, Joe, relax, like, eat a Snickers, it's going to be okay. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Well, hey, thanks for uh, joining me. So typically, or in, in uh, some of the other shows are really about uh, getting other mental health professionals on and things like that, but um, I do like to kind of bring guests on talking about something that, you know, one of the blogs that kind of spoke to him or whatever, uh, it seems like the Black Dog post, and, and it's in the book, is, is pretty significant to you. So I'd say we just get into to talking about that. I, I saw something that you posted uh, in that. Um, certain parts of it kind of uh, jumped out at you. But maybe even before we get started, maybe you could tell the audience a little bit about your background, your military background, and, and some of the stuff that's kind of going on with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for those of you who don't know, my name is Joey, and uh, I was in the Air Force for 
four years, I was stationed as a, a security forces member. So I, I always tell people I was military police of the Air Force. And um, I guess, you know, I'll dive right into it. Uh, my first two years were uh, just about as normal as, as anybody's, you know, as most people. Uh, I fit in pretty well. I was I was always, you know, able to kind of adapt and, and meet new people. So fitting in to the military lifestyle was was pretty easy for me. Uh, I loved, absolutely loved boot camp as much as I hated it while I went through it. I love anything that involves working with others and, and building teams. So that was, uh, that, that helped me meet a lot of my needs um, as far as, you know, where I was in my life at 21 years old when I joined. Um, so then what happened was about two years in, I started um, get going through a little bit of, of a rut. I had some personal issues going on. I was starting to feel a little bit unappreciated at work and uh, just didn't really, I guess I was starting to lose my identity uh, in the military. I was, I was also coming up on my first enlistment ending and I didn't know if I wanted to stay in or get out. Um, so I, I ended up getting out in 2014. I wanted to pursue other things. I wanted to start my own business and go back to school and, and all that good stuff. And I really struggled getting out, Dwayne, because when I got out, I, I didn't know how to, um, I had nobody that needed me. You know, I tell us, mm -hmm. right. I told to a friend the other day is, uh, in security forces, being a cop, somebody always needed me, you know, for the <laughs> years I was in, whether that's, I'm not one of those guys. I, I never, you know, fortunately had to had to use my weapon or discharge my weapon. Um, and I, I don't claim to have done anything too significant. But there was always somebody that, that needed me, whether it was just a simple hello or, um, you know, if I did have to respond to a domestic or, you know what I mean? Like there was always somebody yeah. who, whose day I was <laughs> in one, one way or another. And when I got literally called for backup. Yes. Yeah. And uh, when I got out in 2014, I just didn't have that anymore. Um, my family, who's, who's very loving and, and, you know, they care for me very much, they kind of all have their own things going on. They have their own families, their own careers. And I was 29, 29 years old when I moved back in with my parents. So it was kind of like I was thrown into one world where I was this, this guy who, you know, everybody relied on in one way or another. And I was thrown into a world where I, I just didn't feel, I didn't know my purpose is what it all came down to. And, um, you know, through, through a little bit of therapy and some, some self-isolation, I guess you can call it, and a lot of self-development and reading, I learned that I was, I was the one who um, was communicating all that pain to myself. I was, I was the one who was telling, the only reason I wasn't needed is because I wasn't taking advantage of the opportunities I had, you know, especially as a veteran. I think like a lot of veterans, um, I know this for me personally, Dwayne, I, I just didn't know where to go when I got out. I didn't know like what team to jump on right away. You know, I, I know there was, that might sound silly, but there was a lot of people who, um, I know that there's a lot of organizations out there that work with veterans. It's just, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I didn't feel the will to, to work and, and the few inner, the few jobs that I did hold down, uh, I had a really hard time transitioning and working with civilians. Um, I think coming from the military where everybody was so disciplined and team oriented and not to say that civilian, all civilians aren't, but the jobs that I was holding down, um, was just a lot of, you know, it, it kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, but 
I was kind of judging people, judging civilians. Mm-hmm. Like, why, can, why aren't you working hard enough? Why aren't you uh, disciplined enough? Why are you complaining about everything? You know, and ironically enough, I was the one complaining and, and kind of becoming a victim, so to speak. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it became that self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You know, that uh, and, and, and it doesn't sound like that the, the, the trauma or PTSD was a challenge. It was just a transition that was a challenge. Uh, you know, and that's some of the stuff that we've talked about here on the podcast and, and on the blog and stuff, too, is that that purpose and meaning and, and trying to find purpose in our post-military lives uh, can be just as challenging as dealing with whatever we experienced in the military. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, you're a veteran, you must have PTSD. Well, that's not it. It's just that I've not adapted to a new culture yet, uh, and I don't even know where to start. You know, you said that there's, uh, there's, there's tons of organizations out there. I mean, they're lining up trying to help you, but it's like trying to figure out um, – you know, 47 different kinds of ketchup when you're standing there in the ketchup aisle and you're like, well, I don't know. Where do I start? Right. It's too many choices and it gets overwhelming. And then all of a sudden you're just, you're out there on your own. Exactly, man. And like we talked about last time and what really hit home for me that you said is, uh, it it all starts with peer to peer for me with veterans, um, you know, and and seeing you and, and using LinkedIn and other social media to connect with other veterans for me anyway. Um, that's really where I, I was able to finally pick that proverbial ketchup bottle, you know, and, and was kind of pointed in a, in a good direction, like, Hey, there, there's a way to help yourself, you know, and, and there's other people that will help you as well. Um, but you do kind of have to take some self accountability and responsibility, which, you know, nobody taught me better than the military. Um, you do need some, some of your own discipline and you need to take action. I needed to take action and, reach out to whether it was you or, you know, several other veterans who I, I speak with daily who kind of, you know, keep me in a good place. Um, so, and it's funny you say that, Dwayne, because I, I was literally just reading your blurb about the whole black dog of depression and how it's, I'll literally quote it, it, the black dog of depression sits on the veteran heavy and immovable. It weighs you down, holds you back and keeps you stuck and stagnant. And For me, I mean, I just when I first read that, it hit home because it was like, yeah, there's something like I know I'm I'm capable of doing more. I know, you know, I have good leadership abilities and, you know, everything in the military instilled in me. But it was like something was just holding me back. It was like I just couldn't get my my wheels going. And the more I started sitting in those depressive thoughts, uh, the more they started taking over. And that's all I could focus on. I couldn't get out of them. And, you know, on top of that, I wasn't, like you said, with the self-fulfilling prophecy. I was, I was living in my parents' basement. That's not to insult anyone who is. It's just for me where I was at, I had, I had a certain idea. You know, I came from the military and I was, I was good at what I did. And all of a sudden, it was just like a step down for me at 29 years old. Like now you're in your parents' basement. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody needs you. And I couldn't get out of that. And thankfully, uh, you know, people like yourself and others um, – kind of showed me like you can there's a lot you can do man it's it's all about just you know picking picking the right people to work with and 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 surrounding yourself with good people and and also good content and making sure you're you're reading and watching things that are you know helping you get out of your little rut and and that's the the awareness piece that's critical right joe i mean that's that's the in and until you realized you know hey this really sucks 
uh, and I'm in this pit. Until that awareness came to you, you 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 didn't make a change, right? You you didn't uh, no. uh, you didn't decide to do something different, you know. And that's the the whole goal, of course, behind the blog and the podcast, and now the book. Uh, in in that that part that you uh, specifically just read about the black dog, um, the black dog of the veteran emotion is the name of the post. And and for listeners, we'll we'll link uh, to the post on the website in the show notes, um, but. But that was it, it was a way to bring attention to the veteran uh, to be able to say, yeah, this is a constant companion. And, and we may love the black dog, right? We're comfortable with it. We know what it's like. Uh, we, you know, even though it growls at people and, and all these other things, it's comfortable because it's ours. Um, but it's not always healthy. Yep. You said it. And it's 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 ours. It's like, you know, it's it's my dog. It's like. I know what I'm doing isn't right, but it's comfortable. Um, there's nothing I can say to, you know, make it sound better than how you, you know, it's, and it's what we know. It becomes what we know. And when you get sucked into that, uh, veteran or civilian, um, depression, you know, it's, it's very easy to stay with it. It's, it's a, a filthy habit, just like anything else. And until you, you know, find something else that, that is healthy and, and makes you feel, um, as comfortable as that depressive dog, I guess, um, you're, you're just going to stay there, you know, until you, until you fully, what I learned for myself is once I started becoming more honest and objective and saying, and I was, you know, step one is identify the problem. And once I was first able to say like, I'm depressed, I have a problem. It was just like, okay. It was so easy because it was like, all right, if I'm allowing all of this depression into my life, that means that means I can unallow it and start putting in the good stuff and start, you know, taking control. And um, it really, it really kind of, um, yeah, it, it does. It becomes a choice, but it's something I did struggle with. I can't sit here and just say it was that easy. I did struggle and I did at times and I still do. You know, it, it's something and you say this in the book, that depression dog never is going to go away fully. Um, I always call it the monster inside of us. You know, we've all got a, a monster of something that we don't want to be inside of us. And that's okay. And what I've learned is it's okay to acknowledge it and to know that it's there. And it's, it's got power if you give it to it. If you don't feed it a little, just don't let – just make sure you, you know, you keep it on a leash, you know, and, and, and focus um, more so on, on the other great positive things that you're able to do. And that's for me, you know, what, what was, what was huge for me is just knowing it's still there. It's not going anywhere, but I'm in control of it as opposed to two years ago. I was like, you know, if you said the wrong thing to me or looked at me the wrong way, I was going to snap at you or, you know, um, you know, re I guess repress, regress, uh, so to speak. Right. I mean, and, and that's the thing is, uh, in, in this black dog, you know, pops up in different ways and it looks differently. I, I saw, uh, recently you shared, I, I think it was on Instagram or whatever that you had, uh, circled the, the part where it's talking about the black dog of anxiety, right. You yeah. know, and, and being pitiful and, and, you know, always, uh, you know, jumping at thunderstorms or noises or, you know, and, and, and we can be the same way if we allow that particular black dog, which is different than the black dog of depression, which is different than the black dog of PTSD. Uh, but, each of those uh, react differently, but as long as we know what brings that on, we can start to control it. Like you said, we can make sure that uh, um, that, that it's going to be on the leash. 
Uh, but again, even there, and in, in, in the you know, like you said in the book, it, sometimes the dog's going to get loose. Sometimes the the depression is going to come in, especially whatever it is or around anniversary days, um, or or particular things that remind us of things that happened when we were in the military. Yes, that's going to come in, but but if we let it run free and ruin our life, um, then it is actually going to ruin our life. Yeah, man. And if, and, and even more importantly for me or for anybody who has family or anybody around is once you realize those things, um, is the ability to communicate and to tell your family or your loved ones, Hey, I do have a problem when I go to crowds or when I go to, for me, it was weddings. I was, you know, being a cop, we were always kind of kept on high alert in one way or another. Something was always going to go wrong or, you know, there was a lot of loud noise, um, being involved, a lot of yelling at cause cops in there, of course, kind of get held to a higher standard cause for whatever reason. Um, but for me, I had a, because of that, I had a hard time being around crowds. I had a hard time being around strangers, especially when alcohol was involved because in my time in, I, I served a year in Korea and I, I had to respond to so many incidents where alcohol was involved and you know, bad things were happening. I won't get too into the details, but people are doing things that, you know, could be obvious, could be, um, could have been avoided. And for me, whenever I'm around big crowds, I'll just say it straight up. I had to miss a few family weddings last year and almost started, you know, I'm a, from a big Italian family. So if the brother misses a wedding, it's a huge, it's like, what, what's going on? And thankfully my family, you know, we're all in a great place now. They understand I couldn't go to crowds though. I couldn't be around and still, you know, I don't like, I'm very uncomfortable in big crowds based on my experiences. And if I wasn't able to say that and, 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 um, and also say it in, in a low voice and state remain calm when I said it, uh, it, it's, it's something where it would have, would have pushed my fan. It could have, could have pushed my family completely away because they were taking it as an insult. Like, what are you doing, dude? You're not coming to the wedding, you know? And, um, for me, that, that's, that's something I try to tell everyone is, is just talk about it. And people, especially, especially the people I've always been around, they tend to want to help you when you're vulnerable. Every time I've ever cried or asked for help or, you know, broke down to a friend, they never push me away or make fun of me or, you know, and the same goes with my family. And I think a lot of veterans have a fear of that. Like, okay, what if I do say I have a problem? What if I do admit I don't like crowds? or I don't like certain people, or I'm uncomfortable in certain situations. Um, everyone's going to perceive that as weakness. And, you know, I'm not this, especially in my family where, you know, being a male, there, there's a, a lot of stereotypes that go with it. It's, we don't talk about feelings, you know, it's kind of the man works nine to five, puts food on the table. So for me, when I was doing that, uh, and, and for the other people that were in my life, uh, that was really that was really hard for them to to see. But once I was able to do it, and it was hard for me to do, but once I was able to do it, uh, and and to see that they love me no matter what, uh, it, it just it erased all doubt, and, and it made me think like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why wasn't I talking about these feelings sooner? You know, because I did almost, uh, unfortunately, a few years ago, I did almost commit suicide and, and go through with it. And see, and that's some of the thing is is. Uh... It's common. It's common for veterans to kind of not wanting to talk about this. I mean, heck, I talk about veteran mental health uh, so much. My kids are sick of hearing about it, right? But but it's but it, this is not something that is widely uh, discussed. 
Um, and, and I was going to ask you, there was a there was a point in time where maybe you had a realization that was something wrong, but you didn't want to come out and say anything about it. Um, you know, you're very much a proponent about veteran mental health. You know, you and I had a great conversation. You called me up. We we talked about the book uh, and everything else. And and now you're all for it. And, and you're saying, hey, the check engine lights coming on. We need to we need to address it. Why do you think that it's so hard for veterans to talk about veteran mental health? I think because it's not normal, man. I think it's a culture problem. I, I really do. I believe uh, we kind of said it last week. You know, it's not cool to do it. It's not uh, the things I mentioned earlier. You know, they for myself personally, the reason why I didn't say it was I didn't want my family to start looking at me with a stigma. And, oh, no, Joey's the crazy one now. He's the crazy vet. He's the. The guy, you can't undo that now. It's, it's because of the, you know, and it's like once I think when a lot of people deal with that, I only had to deal with it with my family uh, and I, I'm not married with kids or anything. I can only imagine people who are married who feel like they have to play this role of, of tough guy, you know, of uh, it, almost like I said before with our identity, it wasn't my the identity that I was living before. That guy, he doesn't talk about feelings. He's got to be a tough cop. He's got to be on his game. He doesn't because when you talk about feelings, you're showing vulnerability and weakness. That was my mindset. And I think that's the mindset of a lot of my friends is suck it up, rub dirt on it and, you know, get your head back in the game. And we know we know this from, you know, seeing how many uh, I mean, where our epidemic is currently at. If, if you just talk about it, you know, if you don't talk about things, the problem's not going anywhere, guys. You know, there's a lot of temporary fixes. I tried them. There's whether your fix is drugs or alcohol or women or, or whatever you need, they're only temporary until you actually talk about it and say, hey, this is bothering me. This really hurts. Um, and I think to answer your question, a lot of guys struggle because what? Uh, now that I'm, I said this and I'm weak, how is my wife going to respond to me now? You know, how is my family going to look at me now? You know, are, are they're going to think of me as a stigma? Are they going to always, you know, are they always worried about me? I'm going to do something crazy, you know, and, and it's the exact opposite. But it's like, I think that that's, that was my own personal fears and talking to a lot of the vets I do. That's their thing is, is and, and I also don't believe I believe that they don't think they deserve the help. Uh, a lot of vets. And that's the sad thing. So. And, and so in, in you bring up a couple of points. Number one, um, you got the double barrel shotgun. I mean, we're having a, a national conversation now about veteran mental health, uh, but there is not a national conversation about first responder mental health. Uh, and so, you know, the uh, uh, a veteran who leaves the military and goes to be a firefighter or police officer or things like that. Um, there is that stigma in, in that profession as well, right? You know, can't show weakness and things like that. Uh, and so you have not just the, the, the service member uh, stoicism, but you also had the cop stoicism uh, on top of the service member. So, and so it's, it's almost you had layer upon layer of, you know, it can't, can't talk about it. But then when you said that, you know, you got to let it out. You got to. You're talking about it publicly. Obviously, I'm talking about it publicly. But but veterans don't have to talk about it publicly. They don't have to go on a podcast and talk about it. Uh, they don't have to write a book and talk about it. They don't have to like uh, Doc Todd at the end of the the um, at the end of the podcasts. They don't have to write a song to talk about it. Um, they don't have to paint. You know, it, it can still be a private conversation between a peer or, or 
definitely with a mental health professional or somebody. Talking about it helps, but you don't have to be public about it. No, and that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, I obviously want to, uh, I'm a big mouth, I'm, I'm a loud mouth Italian, so I want to talk about it to everybody. Um, but you're, you're 100% right, man, is you can, and that's why when you said last week, the whole peer to peer thing, you can just go talk to a friend, go talk to a friend or a guy on that you work with, um, you know, a guy, any, anybody who you, who you trust enough, you know, who you don't think will judge you and will make you feel safe when you explain. And you know what? Here's the sad thing. Some people don't have a person like that in their life right now. They just don't. They don't have someone who they believe will listen to them when they say what their problems are. Um, and that's why I'm a big proponent of self-expression because I didn't have that when I got out. I didn't have anybody. I had a few guys I Skyped with, um, you know, from the military, but I didn't have any immediate friends or family like that. So for me, I'm all about self-expression. I got into theater and I got into acting and I started um, building trust with other people. And, you know, and it's not like the first time I met these people, but I started making new friends and I started, um, they started teaching me the power of uh, just, Joe, just write things down. If you're, if you, if you can't express yourself or say what you're feeling, just write it down or record yourself on a video and then watch yourself. It doesn't have to be public. You're right. Um, and I think that's a big stigma to us to answer the other question. I know me when I walked into the, the first time I was about to knock on the, the therapist door, it's like, oh, it's like, well, no, what's, what's on the other side of the door? It's uncertainty. And, uh, you hit on that in another chapter in your book. Uh, you know, we've been trained as military members to, to pretty much know how to handle a lot of different situations, uh, especially in my career field as a cop and all of a sudden, you know, you're knocking on this door, whether it's your actual therapist door or it's, you know, you're talking to someone for the first time. Either way, it's unfamiliar territory. And it's just like, uh oh, I'm not going to be good at this. I don't something's going to go wrong, you know, because I don't know what I'm doing. And it's just like military. It's just like boot, your first day of boot camp. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. You have an idea, but you don't know, like, what you're going to become after it. You just that's why I, I try to um, always stay in the moment, always stay present. And just concentrate on right now and what can I handle? And, you know, take baby steps, whether that's, okay, today I'm just going to knock on the door of my feelings. And then, you know, tomorrow I'm just going to write one feeling down or two feelings down. And then just build momentum. And once you see that you, you're doing it more and more, you'll, you'll also see that you're good at it. And you have a pretty good grasp on, on your feelings and, and, you know, you'll be able to control them more. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, I and and I actually I had a client one time that uh, he had no showed me probably two or three different times, um, and, uh, uh, and and then when he finally came in, he had told me he was like, the first time I came, I drove by and I left. The second time I came, I sat outside, parked, and then left. Third time, I actually got out of the car, came upstairs, and then turned around and left. And then the fourth time, he was like, and here we are. Right. You know, and that was there was this, you know, he, he said, even this time uh, I almost turned around and left because I, I, I don't know you how, you know, and and, you know, it, and I've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah, you come in my office, there's maps on the wall, there's coins. I mean, it looks like a, a, a military office. And, and as soon as he came in, he was like, oh, well, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But when you were down in the Ville right, and you were knocking on a door, you weren't thinking I can't handle what's on the other side of this door. 
You were confident that you'd be able to handle whatever was on the side of the door. Yeah, you had your buddy. Yeah, you had you know uh, um, somebody in the car outside, whatever it was. But when we were in the military, we weren't thinking, I can't do this. But then when we get out of the military, we somehow seem convinced that, man, I'm not going to be able to handle whatever this is. I'm not going to be able to handle talking to this stranger. I'm not going to be able to handle blah, 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 blah. And sometimes I think it's we forget where we came from. Couldn't agree more. And I also, I, I wonder this, because it just popped in my head when you said that. Um, you know, I, I think when, when you're working with others, like you are in the military, you're usually always a part of a team in one way or another, and that camaraderie is there. I wonder how much that helps with getting somebody. Because the first time I talked to a therapist in the military was because a friend, a fellow friend in the military kind of pushed me. Um, <sighs> I wonder how much of that plays into, especially as the veteran, I'm sure it plays a big part. Um, like, shoot, what if somebody was just here to nudge me a little or kind of like, let me know it's, it's okay, you know, don't worry, that door, yeah, it's going to get kicked down quick and there's somebody on the other side, but, you know, I'm here for you no matter what. Even if something happens to you, I'm st- I still got you. And I think for me, especially when I got out, uh, and I'm, I'm sure with a lot of other vets, it's like, you know, you... I would love to sit here and say we can all be self-motivated and I always tell myself, you know, exactly what I need to hear. Sometimes I can't do that. And sometimes I do need a friend to kind of give me a boost in the arm. And, you know, even even it's funny because I was telling my friend last night, I was very nervous about this call. And uh, he kind of, you know, he, he told me, you know, you're, you're great. You're, you'll be fine. Like, you know, I validated. He pretty much reaffirmed, you know, uh, what I was going through and told me that it, it doesn't have to be uh, what you think it is. You know, it doesn't have to be anything more than, than a conversation or, you know. And, and once people see us doing this more and see that it's normal, and maybe it's a little shaky in the beginning, but, you know, once you get a grip on it, it's something that can help us all. It's just hearing these stories and, and talking and, and encouraging others. Um, whenever a veteran's ready to talk, there's always somebody that wants to listen. You know, and, and yeah, I, I definitely think that you you are onto something that, uh, and again, it's something that we talked about when we talked last week, is veterans need permission. They need to know that it's okay, that whatever they're going to do is, is something that's all right. Um, that can work in our favor, right? You know, when we were in the military, um, you know, you were, you were out on the beat, but you had a desk sergeant or you had a shift NCO who, you know, had done what you did and, and he got through it, so you know you can do it. Right. Or, or, you know, when I was in airborne school, um, all of our instructors, you know, went through airborne school. Um, you know, the lowest private, you know, can see the sergeant major. And I know that there's a way for me to get from here to there. Right. So there's that confidence that, well, that guy was able to do it and I can do it. Um, but then we sort of lose that and we forget that and we get out of the military. Uh, and then that's when, you know, we, we can be extremely confident in highly chaotic situations but we can be very unconfident in non-chaotic situations. And, and that's where we need to learn to adapt and, and sort of change that kind of thing. Yes, sir. hundred percent agree. We, it's, it's funny when you say it like that too, it's like we're ready for the chaotic stuff, but not for the, the, the easy stuff, so to speak, you know, the stuff where you don't have, there isn't as much of a physical threat. It's, it's all inside of our heads. This, this fear of, is somebody judging me? Is there going to be a stigma? Is my wife going to think I'm weaker? Is my family going to think I'm not good enough? And it's like, I think coming from the military where 
you know, reality is kind of thrown at you in your face. Like, you know, it, it, it touches on all five senses. And then you get into anybody who has mental health issues. It's like you can't grasp what's going on. It's all in your head. And until you do have somebody who kind of comes and tells you, like, you know, Joe, relax, like eat a Snickers. It's going to be OK. Um, I think because people don't have that when they get out and, and most people, most guys I talk to, uh, they say that the only the number one thing they miss about the military is the camaraderie and the people. And I, I know that's true for myself. And I can't tell you a quick story. Even when I first joined, I remember my first supervisor wanted to put me up for airman of the quarter. And as soon as he said it, I was like, I'm not airman of the quarter material. I don't, you know, I, I don't press my blues. I was, I was always good at what I, but I didn't, I took pride in being a cop, but I didn't worry about those little, like, you know, the silly, they were silly awards to me. And, and I also think a part of me didn't think I was good enough to get that. And I remember my supervisor, Sergeant DeJesus, telling me, like, you know, you're a pretty good troop. If you put your, you get your shit together and you write a good package, you could win this. And, you know, it'll look good on you. And just hearing that, man, it was, and it was, it was a peer, somebody I looked up to. It was someone who I had respect and trust with. And just saying that, and, and as soon as he said that, I had this big smile, and I was like, you know what, I can do it. I can. And I, I ended up winning it, and it was it's one of those things, um, not to brag about myself, but it's, I think when, when we do have that extra person that comes in and just says, like, you can do it, man. You know, you can, you can do it. That, that cheesy, positive uh, encouragement and reinforcement, uh, you know, that's, that's what, for me anyway, that's what got me going. And a lot of my friends and a lot of kids that I kind of mentor you know, when I, when I tell them, like, hey, you can do this, you know, when you erase that doubt in someone's mind and they, they start to believe it. And I know I started believing it. And I said, OK, what else am I capable of now? You know, because now I got this one award. What else can I do? That's great. And that's momentum, man. You know? Yeah. And, and I think, though, there's a danger because the opposite is also true. Right. If somebody says, um, hey, man, don't worry about curfew man, you can get away with it. We got away with it. You're like, well, yeah, maybe I can. Or, hey, dude, it's easy to jump off the second floor window, like literally jumping off bridges or something, you know, but but we can get caught in a trap of um, of believing people that mean most to us when they recommend that we do something that isn't helpful. Like, man, you don't need to talk to a shrink. There ain't nothing wrong with you. Oh, yeah, maybe there's not anything wrong with me, even though, you know, I'm driving around like a jerk and I'm I'm drinking too much and, and I can't hold a job. And, you know, even though all of these other things are, are telling me there might be something going wrong, my buddy over here, he's right there with me. We're sitting here on the couch playing Xbox for nine hours, but uh, but there ain't nothing wrong with us. You know, and so that peer thing can can uh, backfire, too. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Uh, and I've, I've been there, too, where. There's an old saying that's uh, you're that you are the sum of the five people you hang out with. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you hang out with a bunch of losers or kids who aren't going anywhere, you're probably not going anywhere. If you hang out with a bunch of baseball players, you're probably going to play baseball. And I do. And if you hang out with a bunch of people who encourage you and empower you and tell you that you are good enough and you can accomplish anything and you can talk about feelings, then that's what you'll become. But I think uh, to get to tie back into the beginning of the conversation uh, it's not normal. That's not normal. Like I can't tell you how many times I've told kids like, you know, you could talk about feeling, nobody's going to judge you. There's no, there's no uh, danger on the other side. And they're like, really? Cause I've heard this. 
Really? Because I heard that I get kicked out if I go to mental health. Really? Because I heard that. And it's like, well, who did you hear it from? Oh, you heard it from that guy? Well, I like that guy, but, you know, he's kind of an idiot. You know, no, no offense, but he's probably not someone you should listen to. And, and I do this with myself now. And that, that kind of has to be, I think, more self-accountability, Dwayne. Whenever I hear something from someone's mouth, especially with the Internet being what it is, I always go to Google. Go on Google and find out if it's true, you know. Uh, and, and ask yourself if it's something that's more about yourself and your personality. Ask yourself, is it true? Am I, you know, it, am I whatever the person is trying to tell you, you know, don't worry about it, man. You don't have a drinking problem. You know, ask yourself, do I have a drinking problem? Don't worry about what Jim, you know, my, my buddy Jim, who always likes to drink, says because he obviously wants me to keep drinking so he's not lonely. Is it true in my own mind? You know, maybe I do have a problem. And I think when you, like you said, when you're around too many people, it can go the other way. You're absolutely right. There, you can, there is a danger to that. And I think the more that there's people like, like yourself and myself and people out there who are trying to spread this, I think it will become way more normal to just have these normal conversations and there will be no stigmas and hopefully a lot less fear and apprehension. And, you know, instead of taking four times to come into your office, maybe it only takes two, you know? Yeah, and 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 like you said, it's it all starts with the conversation, and and that's all I'm trying to do, man. Is is get the word out. Uh, first started with the blog, and then the podcast, and then the book showed up, and uh, and and I'm just trying to get the word out in as many different ways as I can. So I appreciate you, uh, and not just picking up and reading the book. I mean, a lot of people seem to have have gotten the book, but really, you know, chewing on it and 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 seeing how it applies, and and uh, and talking about it, and it's been really encouraging because sometimes when you when you're shouting out into the fog every once in a while and you hear somebody calling back at you um that that makes you not want to quit totally man and i'm i'm with you on on reading this book and and actually i'm not a big reader Dwayne, but i'm like you said i'm chewing on this i'm digesting it and you have to you have to be patient with with yourself and especially when you're doing something new i know this is new territory for me so i know it's okay. It's going to be a little scary at times. And there's things I'm even talking with you today. I'm learning things about myself. Um, but it's okay. You know, take them slow, ask if they're true, you know, don't judge yourself. Don't be too hard on myself and, and treat everything like a learning experience. You know, maybe you couldn't walk in that door yesterday or you couldn't call, uh, you know, a friend to talk yesterday. But maybe today you, you dial five numbers instead of seven. I don't know. You know, maybe you just take one extra step toward that that keyboard and, and messaging uh, a fellow friend or, or whatever and just asking, hey, you know, is, is it cool if we talk? I, I, you know, it's, it's been a while and I'd like to catch up. And and like I said earlier, when people know that you really need help, when my family saw like, oh, he's really hurt. He's not just yelling and screaming. He's a kid who's just hurt and he's a little confused right now. Maybe instead of taking it personal, we should just listen to him. And, and they did. And I'm super grateful for that. But not everybody has that. And what I'm what I like to tell people is you can do it on your own. You can, you know, listen to yourself. You can go on YouTube now. You can read Dwayne Francis book. You can watch endless podcast on veteran mental health and you will know you're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not weird. You're just like, you know, a good, good portion of, of veterans who are struggling um, you just haven't taken that first step yet. And I'm here to tell you, I couldn't either a year ago or two years ago. And then 
once I did, it was like, it's, it's just like jumping in a pool, guys. It's like you're scared to death and then you finally do it and you're like, wow, why didn't I come in sooner? You know, and I think it's, it's up to, at least I'll speak for myself, you know, it's someone who has kind of found my purpose. I always knew my purpose was to help others. And now I, you know, when I got out of the military, I didn't have that for, for about two years. And once I started talking about this and making it, you know, realizing that I want to help others, I, I found my purpose through it. And that's the beauty of, of being honest with yourself. No, that's it. And that's, I mean, and that's key. That's the, the key to, to just, you know, listen to what the universe is telling you, whatever it is, right? You know, like you said, reach out. I mean, just, and as we said earlier, you don't have to talk about it out in the open. You can just sit back and, and you know, like you said, read the blog or, or, or pick up the book or listen to these podcasts. And you could be doing this for months before you actually decide to step out and do something. But once you do that and, and reach out, I mean, I've had people that said, you know, hey, I've been looking at your stuff for about six or eight months. This is my situation. Do you think I should go talk to somebody about it? And I was like, well, well, yeah, you know, but but that's the thing is, is, is you can, you know, lurk in any way you can. Uh, even now, right? We're, we're on the, uh, we're on the echo device, right? We, we got that, um, the veteran mental health minute. You picked that up. Oh, that's great. The, uh, the brief, the focus briefing, is that what it's called? Yeah. Or the flash briefing. So yeah. I, I don't want to do it yet today, but I love that. We don't want to, we don't want to say her name in case somebody has this thing in the background and, and, and wake her up. But, uh, talk to me a little bit about, uh, the the flash briefing so if in and I'll, I'll preface a little bit so if you've got an echo device uh you can go on and uh, and set up a daily briefing and we're now doing like one or two minute little um updates on there so you can just say hey what's her name a text. uh what's my new or you know what's my what's the news or um you know what's my flash briefing uh and then you'll get this H- has it been that easy for you? Yeah, man, it's that easy. It's and it's. I've only done it for three days since you told me to get it. Uh, I didn't do it yet today, but it's literally just saying her name and then uh, what's my flash briefing for today. And it probably lasts about four minutes. You know, for those of you who can't focus or stand still for too long, maybe three to four minutes, Dwayne. Right, tops. And it's yeah, yeah. It's a nice. Uh, it's usually yourself giving a. Is it you every day that's going to be doing this? Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's uh, for now. I think it's going to be you know later on it may be bringing in some of the podcast guests and doing some of that introduction, but uh, uh, it's just uh, it's called the Veteran Mental Health Minute, and so um, and and I, I think I sent you the link, but uh, um, anybody who has one of these go into the app and you can search Veteran, and there's some different things that you can do, um, but yeah, it's going to be about you know hey what is PTSD or um, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, no, no, today is about the, the things they carried and, and what we carry, what we carry with us. Like you carry memories, you carry memories of, of things that you remember and things that you don't want to remember. And, you know, so it's just a real brief kind of thing that, uh, anything to start getting the conversation going. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a great, great start, especially for those of you who still aren't ready to come out. I mean, just hearing that every day, just hearing, learning something new, and, and you never know what you're going to learn um, with it. And it's just a nice little, like, you know, like a punch to the arm of like, hey, it's it's okay. It's, it's you've got a very motivational voice, Dwayne. I'm sorry, I got to tell you. Yeah, well, if if I if I couldn't uh, if I couldn't talk well, and if I didn't have a good voice, I probably wouldn't be a good therapist. So 
I guess it's a good thing that works. It works. <laughs> well, hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join me today. I think this is great. And uh, it's always good to hear somebody that, uh, you know, that, that reads something that I wrote or listens to something that I said uh, and, uh, and they get it. So it's, uh, it, it's helpful for me. Uh, and I, I'm sure that you help some people out listening to this. Yes, sir. Many people. And I'm, I'm putting, taking a lot of stuff that you're teaching me and I'm, I'm spreading it, man. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of great messages you got in here. And, um, I think the more they spread and, and become normal, uh, and people take the time to read and understand themselves as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very big optimist for the, for the future of veterans and, and veteran mental health in general. Um, you know, the more, especially with, with the internet and social media, seeing how many people really do want to help. It's just, you know, a matter of making the veterans know that the help's out there and uh, all they got to do is ask and, you know, and want it bad enough, obviously. But I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I, I thank you for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. And if anybody needs any anything from me, you can find me on LinkedIn or social media um, at Joey Utah. And, uh, you know, if, if your veteran wants to have a conversation, feel free to message me, man. My phone's always on and, uh, you know, I'm always looking to help in any way I can. So, Absolutely. We're going to make sure that all those uh, links are in the show notes uh, that uh, that somebody can go in and find you and and definitely uh, definitely going to stay in touch, man, because it was uh, it, it's always good to hear from somebody who has as much passion about this as I do. Oh, thanks, man. Well, you know, you're the godfather, man. I'm following your lead. So uh, I really appreciate it, Dwayne, everything you're doing for the community and people like myself who we don't really, you know, we're kind of just learning. How can I help? How can I help? And um, I, I really do appreciate that on behalf of myself and, and veterans everywhere. And anybody who reads this book in the future, I, I know it'll help them in, in uh, numerous ways. So thanks so much, man. I really appreciate this. No problem. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Joey picked up Combat Vet Don't Me Crazy and reached out to me to talk about it. He wants to help other veterans overcome the challenges he did and wanted to know how to go about doing it. We had a great conversation before this one, and he helped me understand that the impact that the book is having. If you're curious about it, you can get the book on Amazon by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash Combat Vet book. As you can tell, you don't have to be a combat veteran to get something out of it. The whole book, as well as the blog and the podcast, is about overcoming conventional stereotypes about crazy combat vets and the stigma that keeps us from thinking and talking about veteran mental health. There at the end, we also talked about something new we're doing, the Veteran Mental Health Minute. If, like me, you came home one day and there's a smart speaker in your house turning on the lights and stuff, then you may not be fully aware of all the things that it can do. We have an Echo device in our house, and yes, I know there's that whole thing about the device recording your conversation and emailing it to somebody in your contact list, but I'm pretty aware of when the thing responds to alerts. The thing is, it makes things convenient. You can do more stuff with it than just play music. We add stuff to the shopping list, we use it to settle debates, all kind of things. One thing I recently discovered was the ability to enable a flash briefing so I could get a daily update to start my morning. Sort of like when we were in the military and it shift changed or something and you got a rundown of what went on and what was going on. Every morning I get up to let the dogs out and I say, device, 
Good morning. The lights go on and I start getting my daily update. The local news, weather, traffic on my way to work, a little bit about the Broncos because we have a lot of work to do, and a short update called the Veteran Mental Health Minute. Here's a sample. From VeteranMentalHealth.com. This is your Veteran Mental Health Minute. I'm Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran and clinical mental health counselor. The goal of this quick update is to help veterans understand more about how mental health and wellness can improve their post-military lives, to help those who care for veterans understand more about what their veteran experienced in the military, and help those who support veterans in the community to learn more about military culture and mindset. While PTSD and traumatic brain injury have emerged as the primary sources of psychological discomfort as a result of the most recent conflicts, these two conditions do not fully explain the full range of reaction that a veteran experiences upon returning home. Moral injury is a concept that has begun to emerge from clinicians working with veterans who were exposed to combat and were experiencing difficulty in readjusting to their lives after returning from combat. In an article in 2009 by Brett Litz and his colleagues, moral injury is defined as perpetrating, failing to prevent, bearing witness to, or learning about acts that transgress deeply held moral beliefs and expectations. If we're going to talk about veteran mental health, we need to talk about moral injury. If you want to learn more about it, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com and search for moral injury. Once again, I'm Dwayne France, and this has been your Veteran Mental Health Minute. You can find out more on this topic at VeteranMentalHealth.com. We'll catch you next time, and until then, stay focused and be well. It's quick and easy. Sometimes there will be motivational stuff, maybe we'll throw in a podcast promo or two, and occasionally there will be a surprise with a prize. It's just my way of trying to spread the word about federal mental health. So how does it work? I'll say the name of the device here in a minute, so if you're listening in the kitchen, get ready to tell it to shut up. But one way that you do it is to go to the app of the account that's connected, click the little menu icon, select Skills, and in the search box type Veteran, and you'll see a list of skills and briefings. The Veteran Mental Health Minute is one of them. Open it up and click Enable, and you're done. Then you can say, Device, what's my flash briefing, and you'll get it going. You can also go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash Alexa, and it will take you directly there. If you try it out for a bit, consider leaving a review. It helps the Amazon algorithm know that we're as good as you think we are. And that's not it for the updates. I recently announced that I'd be supporting organizations that are looking to spread the word about veteran mental health. We just got done with the month of May and wrapped up the first donation period. Our partner for May was Coder Vets, a 501c3 nonprofit based in St. Louis, Missouri, that helps veterans gain tech skills by offering paid apprenticeship programs and software development. Through the generosity of those who picked up the book in May, like Joey, I'm able to donate 10 copies of the book to Coder Vets in order to help the veterans they support understand more about veteran mental health. I'd like to announce our June partner, Amy Otzel, and Inner Resource Psychotherapy. Like me, Amy is an Army veteran who then became a clinical mental health counselor, and she's practicing in Connecticut. Here's a bit about her organization from Amy herself. My name is Amy Otzel. I'm a U.S. Army Behavioral Health Sergeant, retired. Iraq War Combat Theater veteran, licensed professional counselor, uh, currently continuing the mission in private practice at Inner Resource Psychotherapy in Connecticut. And Inner Resource, the mission orientation is to empower health, healing, wellness, resiliency, connectivity, and personal growth opportunities to those military veterans 
and family members that I'm so privileged to continue the mission in service to. My organization supports veterans' mental health by coming from a strengths and skills-based warrior resource-empowered model of providing clinical mental health services in a culturally competent way. Uh, also offering a significant amount of advocacy to support awareness and create more connectivity of support within our veteran to veteran community that we can rally together and be here during uh, times of transition in order to cope with stress and any other challenges of post-military and post-deployment life. I am looking forward to using Combat That Don't Mean Crazy, uh, the books that we receive here, to really empower that advocacy mission and create another opportunity to bridge that gap between awareness and making the connection to get support in such an important way. And people can find out about Inner Resource uh, by visiting the website at innerresource.org. So if you'd like to help Amy get copies of the book in the hands of veterans that need them, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash Combat Vet book and pick one up. For every five books sold, I'm giving one to Amy, and she's up two books already this month. Next week, we're back on track with some conversation about veteran mental health. We talk about a great organization that's teaching mental health professionals about evidence-based practices for combat-related PTSD, the Strong Star Training Initiative. So tune in next week, and until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at veteranmentalhealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to veteranmentalhealth.com or changeyourpov.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out. Because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability Carry on and get stand up. I've been slapped so demanding. So much pain I 
Looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.